Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. Uh, they are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, Y-E-G, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Nicole calling from Hamilton, and I needed to let everyone know that I really proudly support Beach and Creative Control. I have for many years. I will for many more, as long as he keeps delivering these amazing interview podcasts. When you hear one of Beach's interviews, you think he's known this guest for years, they're good friends, Uh, but the truth is he approaches every interview, whether it's sort of up-and-coming indie artists or established icons or like famous intimidating comedians with uh, a really deep, genuine curiosity, so he's never met this person, and the same really warm uh, candor, as so he's known them forever. I think it really lends to a great chat, no matter who he's talking to, and for that reason... I think you should throw Vish, like, what, a dollar a month? He's got jokes. The jokes make it worth it. Support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. I'm Vish's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit. Azita is a wondrous musician based in Chicago, Illinois. Over the past 30 years, via bands like the Scissor Girls and Bride of No-No, and then performing under her own name, Azita has made some truly alluring and fascinating albums. Her latest is called Glen Echo, which was released by Drag City Records on March 5th, 2021, and features Azita playing and recording every single instrument herself at home, all of which occurred pre-pandemic. Sometime after Glen Echo came out, and while America was just starting to creep out of its darkest COVID days, Azita and I connected for a good talk about comedy and her family, her time as a student at the Tehran American School in Iran, and then moving to the Washington, D.C. area where she was 
Somewhat immersed in the local punk and Discord Records community, her move to Chicago to pursue art and eventually music, her shift from piano to guitar on Glen Echo, and the late David Berman's guiding hand towards her musical self-sufficiency, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 613th episode of Creative Control, featuring the thoughtful, talented, and very funny Azita with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Zita. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. It's nice to speak with you. Uh, where in the world are you today? I'm in Chicago. Chicago is a lovely town. I don't know if I'll ever get to visit it again because of the pandemic and Oh, whatnot. come on. It's almost over. You think? Everyone's, I do think, yeah. I think everyone's, you know, the vaccination is going to, you know, hopefully make it so that we're not in this situation like a year from today i would not i wouldn't expect it to be similar anymore okay that's uh that's hardening to hear it, i don't think it's that like you know i don't think i'm being excessively optimistic or anything by saying that well where yeah, i'm yeah, calling yeah. You, where i'm where i'm calling you from in uh, edmonton alberta as we're speaking like the numbers are spiking there's a variant and people yeah. aren't this vaccine is making some people feel like they're superhuman. They don't need to wear the mask. They don't need to so you know socially distant. Right, right, yeah. And so I think it's cre- and then you know Bonnaroo as we're speaking, like the Bonnaroo festival is like we're doing it. And I feel like this creates like a are psychological. They really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They schedule their dates for September, and then it's all the people are playing. So I feel mm. like psychologically, this has all been very psychologically interesting, hasn't it? Just the way people yeah. behave when they get. Different pieces that like, oh, we can, they're loosening up. So that means it's normal. No, it, it doesn't. And then, oh, they're locking down. That still means we can act normal. You see where I'm coming yeah, from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's been, yeah. it's been strange. How has uh, life been uh, for you in Chicago in this uh, strange era? I haven't, I haven't left the house at all. Like we do the curbside pickup for groceries and stuff. Like I haven't gone into a store in a, you know, since this time last year or whatever. Right. I have, yeah. I have, we're like really, really strict with our behavior. And I, you know, I, I, yeah. and I have a luxury that I don't have to like go anywhere, you know, for work or anything. And, uh, we don't have kids. So, you know, people with kids have a different situation altogether. Like they have to do things, you know, like, yep. They, I have kids. So. I just, yeah. My wife just took them out of the house so we could have a nice quiet chat. Right, right. It's, I, I, I get that like it's not easy for people to do what I've been doing, but I, I actually have, you know, well, if you've heard my record, I did all that here in the house. So I'm used to not leaving. The house. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I didn't leave for five years. So yeah. this is just like the same shit. So it's striking to me that in the context of me coordinating an interview with you, you said, if you've heard my record, is there a chance? Did you think there was a chance 
that I would arrange a conversation with you and not listen to a lick of your new album? Did you really think that? <laughs> well, I think that the thing that I just said about how long it took would not necessarily come across in just one song of listening to it. So maybe, ah. you know, yeah. I see. So your, your uh, sort of decision, I suppose, to create this album, which is beautiful and lovely and, and totally haunting, like I... It uh, gets in. It gets under my skin a little bit. It's rubbery, if I might use a term. I like it. It's called Glen Echo. And are you suggesting that you, like you, you just inferred that you made it all on your own and uh, yeah. playing everything? You made this decision yeah. to be completely self reliant and self sufficient well before uh, many of your peers have been forced to do such things because of the pandemic. Yeah, this record was actually mastered and. It- and being pressed at the time that this shit started to happen. Weird. So like, wow. Yeah. So it was done. I mean, like, I the master the, it was mastered in November of 2019, and uh, the original release date was like in you know June or whatever of 2020. Mm. Um, and even that was just because it took a while to get the covers and stuff. So, you know what I mean? Like, so it, it it was done, and it was done recording. Like, and then needed to be mixed, and I was mixing at the Wilco loft, and it's hard to get time there because you know you're at the mercy of when they they don't need the place yeah. or whatever. Right, so, right. yeah, it took a long time, and a lot of the time that was like the long time of it was waiting for shit that I had to wait for. You know, there wasn't like just me taking long to work on it, but was like, you know, can't get into the studio to mix the next song. Like, you know, we got two songs mixed and then like we had to wait like two months before we could get in to mix. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just like, yeah. just that, that kind of thing where you're just like, oh my God, when is this going to be done? <laughs> so, so it's sort of painful that everything that like, if I do read a, a bit of press on this, it's like, it's been eight years, it's been nine years. I'm like, Shh. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it shouldn't have been like you know, like it was like, years get kept getting added for things that had nothing to do with me. You know, like mm. and then the, the of course the icing on the cake was this this Corona thing made it take another year basically. But if you had it on you the know. books for June 2020, what you're saying yeah. there were just other things that popped up, or was it the pandemic that pushed it back? It was the pandemic that pushed it back. Well, at the time that this happened. Um, it was being pressed and they st- physically stopped the pressing plant. Oh, you know? right. It was like they, they weren't going to go in and keep making records. Right. And then so there was that delay. And then also part of the conception of this release was that I had to have that music video. And our day of shooting for the music video was March 16th. That's when we had the Art Institute's uh, you know, uh, studio booked to oh, go in man. and shoot the music video. Okay. And so that was the first day of lockdown in Chicago. So it was like we had to can't. I mean, we worked so hard on planning that day and how it was going to go and had to like cancel that. And then it was like, OK, well, we're going to resume production of, you know, Drag City is like ready to resume production. But I couldn't get back into the Art Institute to shoot the video. And I was like, I'm, I, I really just don't want to have the record come out without the video with it. It was it was part of the sort of conception of how I wanted the record to go. So, OK, um, OK. Yeah. What is the significance of the video from your perspective exactly? Why why did they go hand in hand? Because I think that like if have you seen the video? <laughs> now, so yeah, I've already sort of defended myself as being an ardent listener of your new album, but I must confess so you I haven't don't seen the video. Okay, I don't, well then you're, then it's not going to make any sense. No, but I think all of us. This is why you're here. You're going to get us to listen yeah, yeah. to things and watch things. I'm sorry I didn't 
watch the video. I can't watch. Don't you find there's so many videos and live streams and like it's exhausting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at some yeah, point, I, I even this. We're, but the thing is, is I can't tell you. I can't tell you because then you can't see it with fresh eyes. Okay, don't. So I okay, feel like, fine. I feel like I can't tell you. Now is it a vi- but, is it a video but, for um, is it a video for a specific say, song though? Is it a video for a specific song? It is a video for a specific song. Yeah, it's for the song called uh, "If You Die." Okay. And when I was writing the song, I kind of imagined how the video would go. And it, um, actually, what's interesting here in this track, in this uh, sequence of songs, you know, um, is that uh, they're kind of in the order that they were written. It's not like something that typically happens, but mm. they, you know, when I went to do the the you know sequencing of the album. It was like, no, the order that the songs belong in is in this order, and it just so happens to be the order that they were written in, right? I see. So it was one of the earlier songs, because most of the songs um, were done before, like writing-wise, were done before Trump took office, or before Trump was elected. Before? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. Everything just takes fucking forever, you know? So it's like... (laughs) um, So... It was the last three songs were the only things that weren't done yet. And some parts of those were done, but not, you know, they weren't done. So I don't know, like when I was writing that song, I saw this video at the same time in my mind for what I, you know, not exactly everything about it, but some of the ideas in it. And so it was kind of like growing with the idea of the record at the same time, you know? So, okay. So that, that I can, I can say that. And also like, you know, the video to me sets up how you should kind of imagine the rest of the record, you know? So. Well, that's fascinating on a couple levels because, to my recollection, "If You Die" the song appears about <laughs> halfway through. No, I think it's like third, maybe. I think it's fourth. Is it fourth? It's like there's eight songs, I think, <laughs> I sh- and I think I should on. know. <laughs> I'll pull it up. I'm pulling up the one sheet here. I've got it okay. handy, actually. I've and got it. On it my, on says my here one, phone. two, three, four. I've got Glenn Echo, oh. Online Life, Two Brutal Moving Parts. If You Die. Okay, so. Ah, interesting. I think that then in that case, I take back. Really, is it really in that order? I'm well, so hang surprised. on. Let me also. No, pull you might up. be right. You might be right. I think that then in that case, three yeah, and no, four are. N- it is. I'm looking at my music library too. So I was looking at the one sheet. Those could be wrong. That could be wrong. But when I no, you're at, right. No, you're yeah. right. You're right. I'm looking yeah. at it now too. Yeah, I think that um, unless I'm now not remembering how I wrote this. I think that, but no, I think that this is true, that uh, three three and four are backwards in how I wrote them, that's all. May I interject and ask, hmm. uh, Azita, have you listened to your album? Just, <laughs> I just want to f- put the shoe on the other foot, because you don't seem to know <laughs> a lot about how it was, no, I'm just Well, I'm let me just tell you teasing. this, I have not listened to my album, that, actually, I did, I did actually, actually listen to the album like a few times in a row on the day that it came out. Good. Just to imagine other people listening to it. But in general, I don't sit around and listen to my own things. But at the time, again, this took me like five years of working on it. At the time, I listened to everything so many millions of times that, you know, like, that, like, but I think that what happened here is that, is that those tracks three and four are actually one of the small parts of this set of this like list here where they weren't done in that order i think that they were written in opposite order and i think that this was a sequencing decision that i made because i felt that there was something a little bit um more uh similar between three and five and i wanted to separate them and i think that that's what i did is i i i switched them that way okay so in in a real world scenario 
If yeah. You Die would be the third song, not the fourth song. I think so, right. yeah. But, it, but, you know, maybe I'm not remembering correctly. No, no. It's, My memory is not the best for all kinds of things like this. This is not an interrogation. No one is going to jail as a result of the uh, facts that are <laughs> brought, to, brought to the fore here. All I'm asking, though, is If You Die is halfway through yeah. the record as we are now experiencing it, but you view it, okay. oddly enough, and I'm not trying to make a pun here, you view it as a central song to this record. You, I don't view the song as central. No, 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 no. I view the concept of the video that went with it as central. But you don't to want to talk about the concept of the video without us watching it. So I have to, when people get this podcast, <laughs> I will specifically link to the video. You should link so the video. Just, oh, yeah. just so you they should. can watch it and click on it. And we've left some... Yeah, I mean, it's it's self-explanatory. Once they see that, then they'll know what I meant and then yeah, everything will make sense. Well, there's some pretty uh, evocative and clever... There's lots of funny lyrics, I think, on your record. And, Thank you. And uh, even the song, If You Die, begins with, If you die and he does not, give my condolence to your friend. That's like a joke. That's like almost like stand-up comedy. <laughs> And I like that. So I feel like, is there levity? Do you view this as a record full of levity, even though it's covering sort of odd human interaction on some level? Um, I think that it is sort of my way, you know, like, like, I don't think of it as myself sort of like making light. It's just that my way of writing, you know. Expressing yourself, yeah, it's, yeah. it's sort of like how I feel, you know. It's, it's it's not it's not me attempting to express myself. It's just that like it would come out because this is like my way of being. I guess is that like I have I have part of me that like laughs at everything. So I guess it's I guess it's like that. Do you uh, do you have particular heroes in the realms of comedy? Ooh, anything um, that-, that that's interesting. I uh, I don't. I'm not like I'm not like a person that follows a, a lot of things like you know like i'm not like a, a, a like a super fan but i can definitely like point to you know figures or whatever in the history in the history of comedy that i would say like oh i love that person or i love you know obviously like you know richard pryor uh eddie murphy con- like currently like john mulvaney like i mean i haven't been seeing the most more recent stuff but that one thing that was like a, a while a while back the thing like the big the one, One of the specials, specials that was like really big, were like the thing about what, when he's going to marry his girlfriend, or you know, and they're like uh, about about yeah. the cow. Like, yeah. uh, why buy the Why buy the cow? Like we we <laughs> died about that so much. Oh, and, and the iced tea and the iced tea bit, like the thing about iced tea. Uh, yeah, SVU. Yeah. No, he's very funny, and uh, I got to speak to John. He, I'm a huge fan of John's, and he was on the show once too, actually. Um, and uh, I love him, and I wish him well. I was going to actually reach out to him to see how he was doing, and just say we were thinking of him. And uh, but I'm sure he's been. Maybe he hasn't been inundated with that. Maybe I'll still do it. So anyway, my point is, you was your family like into comedy? Because I got into comedy as a a young person, uh, mostly from what I no, saw. No, so like I'm saying, like I don't, I don't, I I wouldn't say I'm into it anymore. That I'm like into like you know just regular things in life. Like, I'm not like, I don't follow, you know. No, I, 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 yeah, I gather that. Yeah. But was your family funny? Did you come up feeling funny or no? Interesting. That's an interesting question. I've never thought about that. I, I am so full um. of interesting questions. It's not even funny. <laughs> That's why you do this for Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just curious. because I was going to say for a living, and then I was like, hmm, I wonder if that's really it. Kind of, sort of, yeah. It is one of the things yeah. I do for a living. Anyway, let's not talk. This isn't about me and me, and you're not my guidance counselor, so let's bypass all of this. No, I'm just curious if... if 
it, I'm also curious about this. I have not actually thought about my family as being particularly funny or not funny before. Um, mm. I kind of don't think so. I mean, I kind of don't think that they necessarily are. I don't know. Did you ever make um, fun of your family to your friends? Like, you won't believe what so-and-so said or made me do. Like, do you ever have that stuff? Hmm. Do you have funny stories? I mean, I guess there was a little bit of com- comedy. It's hard to say. You know, you know, I'm Iranian. Like, I'm fully yes, exactly. Iranian person. Yeah. yeah. I have no, I, I got none of this European shit at all. Right? <laughs> and so, like... Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, none of it. Good, good. And so, like, you know, there are there are at least things that I've taken... And maybe, you know, maybe I'm incorrect about this, but I've, there's things I've taken as being like, you know, uh, cultural hand-me-downs that I believe that are, wouldn't, I would not have if I was a European person. And one of them is that like, you know, we're fucking loud. <laughs> You know, we're not like, we're not, there's no, there's no, we've never had, in my family anyways, there's never any kind of like reserve, sense of reserve, yeah. you know? Yeah, Or like, you yeah. know, or whatever. So, you know, like if someone comes in and you're like, you you like that person, you're like, I love you! You know, <laughs> like it's like that, right? It's not like, you know, like nothing, there's no, none of this like, you know, like. But are you, are yeah, you. Yeah, so I guess that there's, there's a loudness. To are you know. first generation? I. You know, those, I, I have I have looked up that term, and I have uh, tried to. It, it apparently, gets used in in more than one way. I am an immigrant as well as I am a child. You know, like I I am also an immigrant. I'm also a person that was born here just by chance because my oh. parents were here. My parents were he, were in the states doing a medical residency, so they had me and my sister. Then we went back to Iran, and then we lived in Iran as though that was going to be forever. Right, we had no reason to leave. Oh, so like I grew up living in Iran. Oh, okay. And then you know the revolution happened, and then it was like, okay, we got to get out of here. So then at that point, I was an immigrant. You know, so yeah, I guess it's complicated. I don't know. That is complicated. I was. Uh, my parents are from India, and they moved here, and then I was born in Canada, and I've been to India. I've been back once. Uh, and uh, but you got was, back as a visitor, like or like a, a you know, a, not like as a person who like you, you didn't have an experience of living there as though that was the place you were growing up. Or something I was like there something. for six weeks in 1989. It felt like I lived ah. there. It just felt like I, I was never going to get to go home. Uh, it was a little weird. I for me at the time, I yeah. didn't appreciate what an incre- what an amazing experience that was to get to go. And I remember yeah. it. I have a lot of sense memories of this time. I see you were very young. I was like 12 years old or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my point, though, is uh, growing up, I I knew there was a... I didn't really... I couldn't identify it, but there was a cultural clash between what my my home life was like and what it was like when I went out to play road hockey or go to school. And then that created that tension, in retrospect, created a lot of comedy. Or if if I didn't see the comedy in it, I would collapse in a heap of right. confusion. Right, 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 right. So I guess yeah, I, it sounds to me like you didn't, you had, the, so when you came back from Iran, because you had to flee, I, I, I'm gathering, how old were you yeah. when you got back here, so to speak, back to North America? I was like, I was either had just turned nine or I was about to be nine. Okay, remember. so you had. I, I want to say, I want to say, just just to be clear too, is that Farsi is my first language. Farsi, so I had to learn okay. English. Okay, yeah. okay. So um, I learned English when I was in Iran. I went in, I went to a school that was called Tehran American School, and it was, uh, I feel like this is sort of like the most globally fascinating part of my life in a way you know is that i went to i went to this school yeah. that was set up for children of americans living in iran 
right? Oh. And you couldn't get into it if you were Iranian, but I happened to be able to get into it because I had American citizenship from birth, right? But, but if I had been a run-of-the-mill Iranian, I wouldn't have been able to get into it, I don't believe, right? Okay. So the, and the school was huge. Like, it was like, if you imagine like the hugest American high schools, right? Like thousands of kids, like it looked, as, as I recall, and, you know, some, and you have to, some of my memory might be a little sure. bit off too. Cause, you were you only know, nine. a long time ago. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. less than nine, yeah. Or even less, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But it was like, it was like a huge school. It was out by the mountains and it went from like the, the youngest kids, like kindergarten or whatever, all the way through, like, I think even the past high school or something like, I don't know if it did. It just seemed like there was, you know, and I have a couple of the yearbooks that somebody gave me later after I was in the States. I don't think they're yearbooks. I'm not in them. But if you look at the yearbooks, it's sort of like an American yearbook with like football and stuff. And they're like, we are trying to make the uh, people's lives as much as if they were still in the states as possible, you know, you know, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's all like football and cheerleaders. And if you look at all the pictures of the kids, like you know, in the yearbook, you can every once in a while see a person that isn't white, but it's mostly all just like white people. Huh? That is, you know, really um, interesting, actually. And yeah. Yeah, and and I went to the school, and I remember in my class that I what you weren't allowed to speak Farsi because the teachers were Americans and they didn't understand it, hmm. and they didn't want you know. So I remember like say, and I remember like I was learning English and I wasn't that great at it yet, and like I remember one of my you know memories is of using this word, and I think the word is hose, right? I think that if I was to spell it in English letters, it would just be like a garden hose or whatever. Sure. But it's a pool. It's like a little like pool that's in the back of, at least was in my backyard. And I, I used to say it was in all Iranian backyards, but then I, I realized that that might not be true for, depending on like economic, you know, class or whatever. But, but it's like a, it's like a little like a little pool. That's in the backyard. And I would say, you know, small, like whatever, five mm-hmm, feet or mm-hmm. whatever. And it's called the hose or that, you know. And no one in my class knew what I was talking about. And they all started laughing at me. They're like, what are you talking about, pantyhose? You know. And I just remember this, like, sense of, like, just sort of, like, falling, you know. Like, my sense of sense falling. Oh. Where it was like, I thought something made sense and it didn't make sense. Right. You know? And it's, it's sort of like a very profound experience to me that I, I kind of, like, can always sort of feel that you know like i know what that feels like you know Um, the difference you felt different it wasn't it's not just about identity you know yeah it's about one's sense of knowing things in the world right right of having made sense of the world you know it's sort of like i I imagine like this is how i imagine like having alzheimer's or something you know like it's something like where all of a sudden like nobody understands you right you know Yeah, but that's what it was like. You know, that's what that's what the Tehran American School was like. And I imagine that that's what it's like. You know, that's what Americans going into the world and deciding to take over parts of other places, you know, yeah, that's 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 a very emblematic. Yeah. So you you had American teachers in Iran. What were those teachers like? Mm -hmm. What is I just I'm trying. I can't remember that much. I mean, this is I want to say that some of this was like, you know, first grade or like kindergarten oh, okay. you know, like it was really because i you know so i don't remember that many things about it. it's very very vague i'm just trying to imagine what would what would make a, an american go to iran to teach oh oh i see i can tell you that okay well at the time 
you know, there was a lot of business going down in, in Iran and Tehran. So there was lots and lots of Americans there. That's why they had to have this. Okay. Like, okay. you know, the, it, it was like on TV, you know, they had two channels. They had the Iranian channel and they had the American channel. Mm. So it was like, I think the oil business is my guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, you can see then that this type of exploitation that was a direct uh, line to the revolution that happened, yeah. you know, like it's like, yeah. But yeah, like Americans were like, you know, people who who here would have like a middle class standard of living were able to live in, in Iran and have like maids and like chauffeurs. And right. Shit, you know, so it was right. like it was like it was appealing. Uh, it was yeah. appealing to work there. Right. Yeah. OK. Mm-hmm. So you move to America when you're like your family moves when you're you're nine because you attended this yeah. uh, American Tehran school. Was it easy to adjust when you got here? No, it was not easy to adjust because we were in the middle of the hostage crisis. So, like I, I pretty soon after my like the, my second year here, I went to uh, private school in Maryland, um, in DC DC area. Yeah, and. Everyone was like, "You took our hostages," you know, and they. Oh, the race—they were like racist. A, I was like and, an outcast. I was right. like an outcast for quite a while in my in my uh, elementary school. I felt like. Oh you man, know? I'm sorry to yeah, hear that. So. <laughs> Did you grow up in D.C. Yeah. then? Yeah. Okay, so do, are you connected with like the Discord records people in any way? Or? Yeah, so like pr- sometime around like whatever, fifteen or sixteen, I started to then partake in like not necessarily that scene right away. Uh, it was more of like just like the bigger hardcore scene, you know, and mm-hmm. and and some of it was like had a opinion of Discord as being, you know, like with our straight edge and every, you know what I mean, like you know we were doing different kind. Of, <laughs> I don't know what I want to say on, the, you know, but uh, let's say we were doing not straight edge things. You know? I get it. I think so, I know what so. you're saying, and I don't think it's incriminating at this point that you might have been doing other things, but uh, this is. What we're talking Let's just about, call it other things. Yeah. yeah. We're talking yeah. about then, late 70s, early 80s. Is that right? No, 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 no. We're talking about like, I want to say like 85, 86. Oh, mid 80s. Sorry. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to, uh, the the hostage crisis was a bit before my time. That's around. But that's when I was, that's when I was like in elementary school. Right. And uh, I, I went to the school, by the way, the school that I'm talking about, I went and I don't necessarily want to actually draw attention to the school, but I went to like the same school in the States from third grade through I graduated high school. So I was there for 10 years. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, sorry. I was just trying to peg when this occurred because in my mind, wasn't the Iran Contra scandal somewhere around there, mid-80s? Contra is different though, right? Yeah, yeah, Contra yeah. No, is, I'm just, um, I'm wrapping my head. I'm just sorry. Yeah. You're right. You're right. We're doing a little impromptu history lesson for me. Thank yeah. you. No, I'm just trying to put my... Don't make me go to fucking Wikipedia right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Anyway, you I don't remember up... what Oliver North trials were into. <laughs> I think but... it, I watched it. I watched it as a kid. I was yeah, fascinated wasn't by it. it. Wasn't it, was it late 80s or early 90s? It was like 86, the 87, 88, something like that. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, my point here is this: you, you're saying you weren't uh, necessarily uh, abiding by what you thought the ethos of the Discord scene was, but you were aware of yeah. it. Were you a part of it in some way? Um, I was not a part of it. No, I, I was. I'm saying that we were. We would go see stuff like, you know, I don't know, fucking like Seven Seconds, Circle Jerk. You know what I mean? Like that kind of. You would hardcore. see the bands, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of the bands would be Discord bands because there was lots and lots of shows, you know. The, the, and and actually, I went to a lot of mod like Scott type shows as well. Okay. Yeah, like so. I, the, the main takeaway is I went to lots and lots of shows. Did you, you know? see like um, 
Embrace or Fugazi or I saw this the bands that I saw were like Soul Side, King Face. I was at the first Fugazi show. Oh wow. Yeah, Nation of Ulysses came later. Yeah, like uh who else was it? The you know, Swizz, um, Government Issue. Uh there's this kind of like time of bands like that, I guess. Yeah, no, that's remarkable. I can't, yeah. I mean yeah. I you probably didn't think what was the first Fugazi show like? Does it stick out? Do you have a sense? Now, if I'm remembering correctly, it was outside in, at DuPont Circle. Oh, I thought um, their first show was at the Wilson Center, but maybe I'm. So maybe I'm, I was. At, I think I was at that too. But I th- I thought that the outdoor one was. Uh, but my maybe. memory of it is really is really bad, and I have to say that like I was not necessarily you know all there uh, fully engaged <laughs> with my attention. Right. You know, with my got it. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Okay. But so was that in, so for some of us in retrospect who weren't around, that seems like it would have been a pretty inspiring situation to be even, you know, marginally involved in, uh, did it, but it sounds to me like you were going through some stuff and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would say that I would say that like, so I had no musical sense of wanting to participate in music. I see. At that time, I had had piano lessons when I was younger, and then I had quit piano lessons by the time by this time, and I didn't remember anything about you know music or whatever insofar as practicing it or being you know a practitioner. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I was around this sort of scene for a while, and then towards the end of the time, I started to become friends with more people that were playing music, like in Nation of Ulysses, and uh, you know I was friends with Guy. A little bit. Yeah. And so I was kind of like seeing the sort of more like watching from the side of the stage or sometimes the backstage or, you know what I'm kind of thing? Like where you're kind of like seeing people, what they're doing. And so I started to kind of then uh, by the time I was like, I had moved to Chicago to go to the Art Institute and kind of by the time I was in my second year is when we decided to start a band. Okay. Okay. So maybe it wasn't apparent to you at the time, but maybe all of that experience you had just watching people subconsciously yeah. filtered into yeah. like I can do this exactly right okay yeah so you moved mm-hmm. to Chicago for school ostensibly your family still are they are they yeah. around still they're in the DC area DC area uh, my mom passed away in 2015 but or 2016 um, my, my dad is still there yeah uh, I'm sorry for your loss there I'm, thank you yeah okay so you get to Chicago and now you're making music what was your first band well, my first band was the Scissor Girls, but I it wasn't my first year here. My first year, I, you know, I went to I went to school to be to I don't I don't say to be because I never had like I was you know people are like I always knew I wanted to be a blah 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 and I never have, I've never had that no I still don't have that okay you know so I, I never I never had that feeling of but you know like my main skill or like my first skill or like the thing that was like I guess the thing that I had the most confidence in always was my drawing okay. ability yeah. you know drawing paint. Yeah. yeah um so I went to school and I I guess my idea was that I was just going to be doing painting and stuff I had gone to a, like a pre-college like sort of painting thing too at Carnegie Mellon and uh and I guess I thought that like that's what I was going to be doing and I like sort of was working with that at school and uh, at the same time I uh, like my second year is when we started Scissor Girls, uh, and uh, then that sort of started taking over what I wanted to be inter- involved in. Now uh, I had the experience growing up uh, with very practical immigrant parents. You know, they want their kids to yeah. do practical things. They don't want them mucking around. Right. Did you have with your parents or anyone? Yeah. So yeah. so my my father same thing. Um, my parents split up when I was like uh, in tenth grade, but they were kind of like not getting along for like pretty much the whole time oh, no. before that. Sorry to hear that. 
Yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> I've gotten over By that. By the way, I say I'm sorry. I know it wasn't my fault. I had no part in this. I just not only was it not your fault, but it's like you know you don't need it, to. Be well, I just it's a thing we um, say. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, also, no, you're talking to a Canadian. We're sorry about everything. That's the stereotype. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I had any part in. I mean, I I am sorry if I've brought something up that's sensitive how about that that's where i'm coming no from. no oh thank yeah. you thank anyway you. yeah no it's not sensitive okay. at all but i'd say that uh that like so my my mom my mom has always has always been was always the kind of person that was like what do whatever the fuck you want you know like she didn't oh, care lovely honestly yeah. about any you know she was always like whatever you make you happy fine with me you yeah. know my father was not down you know it was always like you know how you have to figure out how you, that can be your hobby you know or yes. whatever. same um, here yeah, but I didn't actually uh, have much communication with him for many years, so yeah. I didn't have to hear it. So they're both—they um, were both doctors. You were saying, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. a hard, uh, yeah. That's what they think yeah. you should do or something. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Don't they know how hard it is to be an artist? How hard you have to work? <laughs> Almost harder, I would think. Somehow, yeah. not maybe. I don't know. That's a debate. Yeah, I, I would say. I, I would say so. Yeah, you know? yeah, sure. yeah. You don't. No one's telling you what the next thing or how how anything's going to go. You know, like you can't like you can't be like if I take this step, I know that this thing will be the result. You know what I mean? Yeah. Although I guess people don't know that in general anywhere anymore, really. So yeah, that's yeah. fair. So you you moved to Chicago. You've got a band. How does your relationship with Drag City Records sort of begin? Oh, that's that's like a decade later. Like, you know, we had you know, Scissor Girls had this like whole thing. You know, we had a bunch of records. And then after that, I had a second band, um, Bride of No-No. And then so this is like 13 years, whatever, 12 years later that I did the first Drag City thing. Right. So. And, and that relationship oh. began just what, Chicago friendliness? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, a little bit, but also like... I don't actually know. I mean, yeah, I, I was, we were friends and stuff, and and then I was doing this uh, solo record, and and they were interested in hearing it, you know. And so I did this like sort of like private little impromptu performance for them at the Hideout, this place in Chicago. That you know, uh, yeah, I've been there. Pretty much everyone plays yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There was a piano on stage. You know, this uh, a nice piano on stage. I can't remember why there's somebody had it for like their show. Okay. You yeah. know, um, so they had rented it, and so um, I I just read this like I read this about myself uh, recently, and that's how I know this. I would not remember this at all. Well, apparently, it's Jim Becker from Califone. Uh, apparently, he called me and was like, "Hey, there's this piano here. You want to do something?" And I arranged for those guys to come, and we did this little like sort of audition, or I don't know what you want to call it. You, you know? read this in a what, like a magazine or something? Yeah. <laughs> I think somebody was like, here's this old, I, I don't even remember where this was. A friend of mine recently sent me an old uh, interview with me uh, that I had forgotten existed. And it might have been in that. I don't remember. Or I might have seen something where Jim Becker is quoted as saying it. Or I don't know. Oh. So, yeah, it's it's some somewhere, so, some press that I read in conjunction right now since I put this record out with either, either with it being something someone wrote in relation to this record or it being that uh, 
a friend of mine shared with me something because they saw that I had a new record. I don't know. Okay. But, All right. No, no I appreciate that. I think that. that that's what, ha- so it looks like that's what, that's what's happening. I have a really bad time remembering the actuality of what happened in many of these cases. So that's, that's what I'm going to go with. This takes us back to your time in the eighties where you were finding yourself, <laughs> maybe losing yourself and finding yourself at the same time. Yeah. It's not, it's not that. It's just that there's a lot of, I, I actually, I think I have a very good memory for the details that I want to remember. You know what I mean? Or that seems significant to me at the time. I'm sure everybody does. Our brains are weird. Aren't our brains weird? They remember things we don't need and they forget things we want. It's it's the weirdest system of... uh, It's true. Yeah. Anyway, it's odd. Okay, well, let's... I appreciate all that background, and I I think this all started with me asking if your family was funny, and that's where we landed. We went all <laughs> over the place, but no, I think that's that's significant. I do want to kind of. I hope you can edit this if you want. Otherwise, there might be a lot of like junk in it. I'm bound by law to publish the whole thing. I can't edit oh, any really? of it, okay. yeah, word for word. No, I could, but it was interesting. It wasn't oh, not. I see. It wasn't <laughs> not interesting. You think there's a law, a podcast I law you. that I have to? I don't know. For a second, I believed no. you. I don't know what what no. Canada is like. There's, there might, if, you know what? If there was a law like that in Canada, I would think it's probably for a good reason. We have less libel bullshit here than you do. Yeah. Like, I mean, for better or for worse, people can say and do almost anything they want, and uh, no one's going to Donald Trump them in court, you know, sue everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, no, no. I Unless you're unhappy with the things you revealed, I no, thought it was no. very interesting. And I, I do want to get us to, to Glenn Echo. Yeah. Um, okay. because my understanding is that uh, I mentioned this I think earlier you played everything on this record by yourself mm-hmm. uh, was that mm-hmm. a first for you uh, playing songs completely oh yeah yeah and, and well, what yeah um, in the making of all of my records all of these records that I've written by myself you know that weren't like band records I always have made like pretty extensive demos you know going back to the first one mm. you know and uh, in some cases like Life on the Fly, that's like 2004, I had done like, you know, Muzak versions of all the other instruments and things, you know? Yeah. Um, not necessarily the parts that, for example, the bass player would play, but like things like, in some cases, yes, like a riff or something, you know? So anyways, I have, I've had these. And then, you know, in, in almost all of the cases, we then go in with a band and, re, you know, practice the songs, learn them, make them into new things, and then like, and then record that, you know? Right. And then, there was always a thing, I would say, even, you know, there's always a thing where I would then go and hear an old demo and be like, oh, there's something about that. I, I wish I, you know, I didn't quite, that didn't come out by the time it was finished, you know? Yeah. And in this case, I was working on these for a while and I had all the guitar, fake drums, like, you know, like program drums. Yeah. Um, and was it the program it, drums where you, you was it an electric drum kit where you physically play the drum kit or was it? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. No, it's yeah. Not, yeah. Hmm computer and uh you know some of the bass parts were recorded already you know okay Uh, yeah and vocals lyric you know like all so so you know a a percentage of the record was already in demo form right and these are the demos that i would then give to like my bandmates when we have shows for them to learn the songs or whatever because like you know we don't i you know people i play with now you know like one has children you know like people don't want to practice for more than like two or three times before a show like it's just like it's not it's not like you know my old band where we would practice like three times a week or whatever this is like you know it's hard to get three practices you know in six months time you know aren't uh, aren't children the worst i i used to (laughs) when i played in bands like they're ruining the world (laughs) we would practice for hours like five hours at a time and we really 
practice a lot because you need to so that you're not... It's not just that, though. You know, people have, like, you know, 10 bands they're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, very... Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. um, I get it. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, some of these songs were written in, like, 2015, 2016. Mm -hmm. So I had these demos. And we had done another little small uh, EP thing uh, with Bobby Kahn. This this, uh, thing for this uh, Baudelaire project that this theater group does here where we write songs uh using Baudelaire poems mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh in that case I had also done some demos and then redone some of it in the studio with the band and it was fresh on my mind how the groove will move from the thing you know like how it'll become a different groove right. by the time you're done right you know once, once like new time like you're tracking it in a new time feel and then some that now it's up to like how the band establishes the feel of it and I just wasn't like feeling like I wanted to have that happen with this record like like to start it over and then like be like it's almost like you're analyzing whether you like something or not based on an entirely new set of criteria you know because now it's like it's a completely different thing um Hmm. and i just the idea of going into that experience with these things that i had become really fond of i wasn't really liking it at the same time i didn't want to keep my uh fake drums so i was like do i want you know, Adam, who plays Johnson, me to come and re-record these parts for me along to the demo. Like, you know, uh, like I was just kind of, and, and it was like David Berman was with me at a this like Drag City thing. And he was like, he was like, no, you have to do it yourself. He's like, it'll be boring if it's other people. He's like, it, it's got to be you. You got to do everything. <laughs> um, like, like that, you know, D- David like, has a way of being very persuasive. I know as for. Yeah. yeah. So he did yeah. persuade me. Yeah. He persuaded me that, that I should I should do, learn how to do it. He's like, you'll learn it. Just go, go learn it and do it. You know, and then like, yeah, I have texts with him where he's like, hey, you want to come out and eat? We're having dinner. You know, we're going to go out to dinner. And I'm like, no, I'm here learning how to play the fucking drums because you said, you know, you know, and he's like, oh, it's going to be great. I can't wait to hear it. And then, of course, of course, I was done with it like a month before this, you know, horrible thing happened. And I was just like, that was my first like irrational, selfish thought was like, I just fucking finished my record, you asshole. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. He keeps coming up on the show uh, again lately. And uh, it's hard for me uh, still uh, as a fan and someone who got to know him a very little bit, but I, yeah, it's hard. And, uh, but he was very, the more that I hear, like I had a conversation with Corey Hansen, also uh, a drag city label mate. uh, Mm. And he said, yeah, David snapped him out of it. David encouraged him like out of some malaise he was having. David snapped him out of it and encouraged him and, and offered like kind of coach Berman, like just sort of coaching him into what to do or what he thought he could do. And Corey said it was revelatory. Like it, it did really yeah. help him to have. And yeah, when Dave, when I've been down, when I was down, and David would email me or message me about something, I always felt lifted up. It was just a power and a yeah. magical quality he had. So I understand why. <laughs> I understand your frustration, yeah. disappointment, <laughs> and uh, but also your your belief that he might have been right uh, and that you should do everything yourself. So you ended up recording real drums. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I had to learn how to do it, but then I did it, yeah. Because there are times on the record where I'm like... Where the drums are not as slick. <laughs> as there are things. times where, at, at the, you know, as a seasoned music listener, as a musician myself who's made records, you'd be like, well, that's a little off, but, you know, the spirit is there. There seem to be a couple instances there because you're doing everything yourself. It is hard, isn't it, to yeah. line everything up, to sync yeah. everything, to get the right feel for every instrument, right? Yeah, I would say that uh, 
yes, that uh, that I, there are certainly going to be elements in the drum in the drums that are like not that are unslick, you know, amateur. Sure. Hopefully not amateurish. I don't know what somebody's going to call it. You know, it's the thing I was le- least confident about because I'd only been doing it for a year. You know, it's not uh, amateur. It's not amateurish. It's just like it's just like oh, like but just, but yeah. So I wanted yeah. to say that like. Sometimes when someone says that about something, like about, uh, I don't know about this, like I had, you know, somebody, I, I, I don't need to say who, was like, this one part, it has five beats all of a sudden, you know, and I'm like, no, that's how I had the drum machine programmed. This, like, that that's the part. Like, I don't oh, okay. care yeah. how good I ever get, I would play that, you know, like, right. like uh, yeah, I think that there are, there. so yes, both of those things. One of them is that the drums are unslick. The second thing is that not every sort of awkward choice that you might hear is to be attributed to that, I guess. Yeah, know? fair enough. Because also the unslicked drums were tightened up like in editing and stuff too, and yet some things were deliberately left the way that they were when they could have been, you know, smoothed into a loop or some something very, you know, so. Well, I will, say, right? I will so. say it, it brings a smile to my face when I hear like the end of online life or something, where like that right. instrumental section where... To my ear, it's like a little. It's it's charmingly chaotic or something. Like it's just a, everything seems like it's just. I like I like it. I'm not like. Don't get me wrong, Zita. I'm not criticizing I, <laughs> anything. I won't. But I am touchy about my wishing that I like. Well, I, I, we, we can go, get into it later. But like like I can de- I could definitely make the drums more to my liking if I were to have tracked it last year with all this time on my hands, you know. Yeah. But of course, yeah. So. Well, it's a, it's of a time. So I guess the other, I, I think, sort of significant thing is that you kind of left keyboards behind and switched to guitar. Do you have a perspective on what prompted that? Yeah, it's really simple, actually. I don't, I don't. It's not like any kind of like, a, you know, I did, I did a fully piano and voice record for the last like major record. I, I'm not talking about a year. I'm talking about disturbing the air, where it's all piano pretty much. Yeah. And so, like, you know, playing shows is a very difficult thing, right? Like, it's like, what are you going to do? You know, like, are you either, like, I had I had a show at, at the Chicago, like, what's it called? Millennium Park, right? Yeah. Um, and I got to use their their nine-foot Steinway that, like, the CSO uses. And I was like, this is an instrument. You know, like, this is something <laughs> where where I can just, like, dream on this instrument and make sounds and I can feel like it's, it's giving me something back, right? This is what a piano feels like, right? Yeah. You can't get that from an electric keyboard, you know, like, of any kind. You know, like, well, I'm not going to count, like, you know, mechanical ones, like, roads or whatever like that's a different sure. thing totally sure. right but like there's no way to do that unless you have a piano you know and and not even like a shitty piano like not even just like the piano that's like at, like upright that's at some bar or something right but like a night you, you need a nice fucking piano for that for that kind of sense yeah, yeah yeah and yeah. and and every guitar player or horn player or whatever gets to experience that right like everybody who brings their own instrument gets to experience that mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and for me, it was like not going to be possible for almost, you know, for ninety percent of cases, right? And I had just come from doing a bunch of shows that with the with the handsome family opening for them, where you know I was playing a electric keyboard, um, like a, actually like you know a MIDI controller or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I just never want to do that again. Like, I just never want to have that feeling again. You know, I don't care if it's Nord. I don't care what the fuck it is. I, 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 you can make it as nice as you want to. At the end of the day, you're pressing a button and you're hearing a sampled recording of a piano. Like, I, I, don't, I don't want that. It's not real to you. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it doesn't, it doesn't get, like, you know, it's so far away from being a, you know. And then it's like, it's like, why would I want to do that? Like, I would maybe want to do that if I had to play in, like, paradoxically, 
the situation where you're least likely to have that is like, you know, if you have, if there's money and there's tons of people in the audience, you know, then, then, okay, you have something to interact with. You don't have to think about the instrument, right? But when you're like by yourself in a bar or something, you know, like on a trip and there's like three people in the audience, yeah. you know, and then you're standing there and you're not even getting anything back from your instrument. You're just like pressing keys on an electric keyboard. Like that, that'll like drive you to suicide, man. Like that's like a horrible feeling. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, what the fuck am I doing? Right. So. so piano and keys, like that's if if you had a first instrument, that's probably those are probably those uh, your first instruments. Dr- by the sounds of it, drums are very new for you. Yeah. Where does guitar lie in that in that categorization system that I just invented? Is it a <laughs> something you've been playing a long time, or is it new? Well, I played bass as my what I thought was my first instrument how's that you know like like the, my first oh, b- instrument okay. in a band in Scissor Girls and in Bride of Nona when I f- completely forgot that I'd ever played the piano at all was bass right and I did that I see. for okay. like you know for all of the 90s and uh, the beginning of the 2000s I was a bass player right and somewhere in the mid 90s is when I went back to piano as a sort of like a thing on the side and I didn't really know how I was going to use it and I was playing you know just like classical and stuff um, and hmm. ragtime so, did your piano lessons come back to you? Did you have any muscle memory? No, no. I mean, I, 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 uh, you know, I had a really bad uh, experience with piano lessons when I was a kid. Like, I didn't really like, I didn't retain anything from it. So, um, I see. Okay. So I, I didn't, you know, like. Okay. Uh, no, it's you. You like the piano. You don't love the piano. You're not in love with the piano. No, no, no. Yeah. That's not fair. I'm in love with some things with the piano. I'm what I'm not in love with is uh, fake keyboards. You know, like fake piano keyboards. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, fair. And I'm not. You know, yeah. Like, like the things that I, I have bigger thoughts about it than is just like you know, do I like this instrument or do I not like this <laughs> instrument? You know what I mean? Like, there's, sure. there's, 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 sure. <laughs> but anyway, um, sorry, I got a little bit my my, uh, I my, I got a little bit. Uh, Distracted. It I sounds played- like that happens. That happens to you sometimes. You get a little distracted. <laughs> I think it happens to you too. I'm pretty sure. No, no. I'm very focused on. Yeah, no. It does happen to me. I get distracted. There's a lot going on in the world. No, it's fair. I, I'm just asking questions because um, the, I feel like. The, I, let me answer your other question though. Uh, yeah. I, I played some guitar on my rec- 2009 record. Uh, How will you? There's a few songs I play guitar on that. If I recall correctly, there's two, maybe three, and. I wrote a little bit on guitar for my second rec- for Life on the Fly, but I started. It was that experience of playing this Millennium Park show on the Steinway on the on the CSO Steinway yeah. that I was like, I need my own fucking instrument that I can walk around with and feel like I can play it and get something from it. You know, so I I, I started kind of like playing more guitar then, and that was I want to say 2014, maybe I don't know. Okay, okay, so there's some familiarity to some of this newness that has been sort of ascribed to this batch of songs. What about self-engineering? Is that something you've done before, a lot of? I mean, I mean you know, like my, I, I've done various aspects of things like that since even, you know, my first quote-unquote solo record was my work at the Art Institute in the sound department was all like tape recording and and uh you know various uh, sound art and you know I I ran live sound for a long time at the Fireside Bowl here and a little bit at the Empty Bottle Hmm. and uh so I you know I've, I've been around it a lot and uh I have 
various experience with it. And I, like I said, I have done like demo. I've, I've been recording you know, on the computer. I've been recording my you know demos for all all of these solo records, but also like other things. Really, since like the nineties, right? So I have some so, some stuff, but but I didn't know how to in, you know like record drums. I had to like investigate a little bit how to do all that. Yeah. Uh, some some things, I guess, with equipment and various mics and things. Mics, I have to deal yeah. With, but yeah. yeah. Just it, just insofar as how it applies to, I guess, getting good sounds for a record. But well, um, it just seems like this is really a lot of self-assertion. I mean, and this is prior, like I say, this is prior to a pandemic that forced a lot of people th- to go this route of like, I got to yeah. play everything, I got to record everything. So you were kind of, whether you meant to or not, meant to be or not, you were kind <laughs> of on to something, I guess, uh, weirdly. <laughs> and uh, it sounds like you... You took this on as a way of challenging yourself and learning a lot of, about a lot of things. Is that fair? No, that's not fair. That's not why I took it on. I took it on because like there's this the songs are there and they have to be finished, you know. And this is what they require. Like that's the reason why they're like this, right? They these songs were not going to work if they were just like totally redone and had a different groove. They had to be the way that they and there was really no other way to make that happen. So that's that's. You know, it, it it was like the thing followed its need to happen the way that it did, you know. Well, I retract my statement, Your Honor. I didn't mean to <laughs> suggest my goodness. I didn't realize well, I don't By the way, okay. by the way, if my if my tone is ever brusque or uh, seemingly annoyed <laughs> I just want to say it's a cultural thing. It's my Iranianness. It has nothing. I'm not really annoyed, nor am I. You know, I didn't take offense at that. Just, I feel like just, if that's if that's an Iranian hallmark, I feel like you know I've been wrestling with this. I think Indians are nosy. Like people are like, how do you get into journalism and asking all these people these questions? I'm like, I think if I think about it, just nosiness. It's not anything else. It's just like, tell me what's going on there. Hey, what's going on? Not gossipy, even just nosy. I they were very brazenly nosy. My parents. So anyway, no, it's uh, it is what it is. I no, I appreciate that. Even if that wasn't your intention, then to challenge and learn, sounds like that happened. No. You learned things. And yeah, but I learned things from every single one of these sure. records. I, you know, like they yeah. all had like particular challenges that were like you know, and I don't even know that it's not kind of any kind of straight line where it's like necessarily will the thing you learned will be obviously applicable to the next thing. But you know, sometimes I guess it is. Yeah, you use the word applicable there. This batch of songs stretches back. It sounds like at least six years, if not more. The writing period of these songs is probably between 2015 and done by 2017. So it kind of like it was do- the writing was done in those kind of like two years there. Yeah. Okay. You know, two. And then and then recording took a while, and then mixing, like waiting for the for getting into the, the Wilco loft and like whatever, and and like going back and fixing shit and whatever, like that took a while. Got it. And yeah. Then, you know, mastering, and then the pandemic. Yeah. 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 No, I, I gathered all that from before. Where I was coming from, though, with the lyrics and the songwriting. Is yeah. now that you have like so yeah, 2015 to 2017 roughly is when you yeah. got these ideas lyrically out of your out of yourself and onto the page mm-hmm. and whatever you recorded them. Do you have any kind of perspective on them now that it's 2021? Do you feel like was there anything prescient writing like you know given what we're going through right now and like even online life? I like I don't know that it has anything. We are, we are living these online lives. And yeah. uh, I don't know that you were necessarily commenting on that at the same, but at the same time, I, 
like, I mean, in terms of what we're going through now, like our fixation yeah. on it. But do you see some prescience here and there? Like, oh, some of this stuff that I was... I think... So I thought that... Actually, I thought the opposite, right? Like, I finished that. That was the second song. Yeah. I actually, it was kind of written at the same time as the first song. And this was all taking so long to, to be done, even before the, the coronavirus hit. And then that was supposed to be the first single, right? That was supposed to come out. Um, and it was supposed to come out pretty much right around that time, like April, right? Like, right when the... the the COVID started and I was like this song is no longer is not going to work now you know because the song was how do you you know how to erase your online life and all of a sudden it's like well that's all there is like how could you how could you erase you know what I mean like that's not gonna nobody is gonna be like jamming to this this song right now like that it's you know it's totally irrelevant um I was afraid it would never make sense to anyone again you know and I would be like that's that's the thing right that's the thing with like I'm sure I'm guessing that comedians experience this right where it's like I think it's actually maybe even in a David Berman poem or something something about what a short lifespan comedy has right like in terms of you know well you know, like think of that for music, but then you also can't just like go out that night and say your jokes on a stage. You got to wait till the fucking music is written and the record is mixed. And, you know, like so like there's this like lag in how long it takes mm. to get to get from when you put the ideas out to when it's done that I'm always like sort of battling that things aren't going to have any relevance by the time it's done, you know, because I'm not a f- quick worker, obviously. I hope to one day be. But so far, I haven't cracked that you know that nut yeah so well so i was just gonna say that i i didn't think it was going to be relevant and then luckily at a certain point it seemed like it was okay so I, it's in, it's nice to hear you say that because i feel like a little bit like it's like an old person's joke or something now well no know? but i think what <laughs> happened is i think in the first year of the pandemic some of us were like pretty grateful that we had been trained like monkeys to live online and function online yeah. and now the exhaustion is really hitting lots of people and I'm seeing more people say, I got to get out. I'm deleting all my accounts. I'm not necessarily to erase their Mm -hmm. online life because of things they've, I mean, as we're speaking, there have been a few instances recently where someone's past posts are coming back to haunt them. They've lost jobs or whatnot. Right. So that's still going on. And I think that was going on uh, probably around the time you wrote this song really as well. But but on a grander scale, I think when you talk about like how to erase or yeah, how to erase your online life, we're getting to that. Like this life, these lives we've been living since the pandemic aren't enough. And I think we're starting to realize that. And so people are like pulling back from living online lives. So in a weird way, I get what you're saying about how it maybe doesn't make as, doesn't feel as relevant, but I would argue that now Mm -hmm. that we're on the other side or at this point, I should say of the pandemic, it's starting to make more sense. People are starting to disengage a bit from this. Yeah. So, kudos to you. I hope people. Uh, <laughs> I hope people spend time with uh, the lyric sheet as much as they do uh, the 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 sound the songs the sound of the songs if that makes any sense. So, yeah. Really, I do too. That's why I, I don't know if you have the vinyl, but that's why it's the entire. I you know I it's the entire gatefold interior is just lyrics. I. Like that's why my shit takes so long. Is that that's not you know if I if I just had to come up with just these sounds, it would be not the same thing at all. You, you know, know like, no rush. You say it shit takes so long. No <laughs> one's rushing you. This is good. It's good. You took your time. It came out when it came out. Who? Why? Well, you saw what was it? The Spotify guy or whatever was like these artists can't. Oh yeah, thinking they're gonna release a record every four years and you know. And I'm like, 
I'm like, fuck you. You go, you know, like you go write a record. Let's see what what kind of quality it is. You know, yeah. like you think that, like you think that someone's gonna release like a fucking important record with like a lot to say every like six months. Like, no, you can get like like uh, three sound bites. You know, that, that a lot of a lot of things are that way now, right? There's yeah. like one sound bite per song. Like it's like there's a two chord progression. There's like a like if you look at the lyrics, there's like you know six lines of lyrics, and they just like repeat. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's yeah. like that's the material of the song. Um, well, you know, this is why. I don't. I don't want to allege anything or speculate, but Spotify guy might have an agenda. That's all I'll say. Like, I, I think yeah, he yeah. might be. <laughs> he might want more stuff for some reason. I don't know why, but yeah. What is next for you? I mean, you talk about this batch of songs coming out or being done for you, really. Uh, around 2017 so that's four years ago have you been yeah. have you written a bunch more since then and are you do you have plans to satisfy Spotify guy and maybe put out a new record sooner rather than later I would like to put out a new record sooner rather than later I, I can't say much about where I am in that process though Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because it's a secret. Because Spotify guy might be listening. No, it's just that. Like, I don't. I don't. <laughs> absolutely not. Because that. No. Because like. No, I'm kidding. Like I'm a, kidding. a process for something needs to just be respected, right? Like it needs to. No, be- it's fair. I just. Uh, I'm curious too because your country has had this cataclysmic calamity since you started writing this record. What uh, the, the Trump administration, or is there another one? Like the. <laughs> the thing- well, the Trump administration yeah. is a catch-all, but it has wrought yeah. Oh, yeah. so much other stuff, and it's because of him, frankly, yeah. and them. So I'm not saying they're exclusive, but yeah, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of turmoil in your country in particular yeah. that has been exacerbated by your leadership, and so I'm just saying, if you've written a batch of songs that uh, didn't get, that may not have that floating in the air when you were writing in, writing them, not to say that they would have necessarily make it onto a record, you know. Uh, but I'm just saying, st- stuff like that no, is in the atmosphere. I find, I find it really, I mean, like, I do follow a lot of politics, and I, you know, and I, I'm obviously a strong, opinionated person. I don't find it easy to use that in direct, I mean, like, in a direct way in what I, what I write for songs. Like, there is some, yeah. some on this record, you know, that you can find. There are, there are some, some, I guess, things you could consider political situations. But, um, um, they're subtle. They're subtle yeah. and artful. I mean, if someone yeah. were to look at your lyric sheet and see a couplet, what a fat lot of good, how America shot itself in the foot. Right. Yeah. Coming out in 2021, they might be like, oh, you know, it, if I was weird like. because <laughs> so like, yeah, that was written before Trump, you know. Yeah. And yeah. and uh, I don't know if you know about the, the title and the park, you know, but the Glen Echo Park was whites only park for until like I think it's like 1961 Mm. where they uh, finally you know through protests and things desegregated it and then it you know within the next few years it went through what happened in a lot of desegregated places in the states which is that like the white people fled you know so and and it ended up shutting down so um the in that in that song you know like I I am getting a tour of the park and uh and I'm there's like a nostalgic there's a nostalgic thing happening with with all the things that it could be and the things of like dreams you know at the same time there's like a dude you know who was there you know when I was writing this he's at the park and he's like he's living out of his hatchback and he's telling me that like he, he just lost all of his you know his house in the foreclosure crisis and it's it's so tied together right it's like yeah, this yeah. yeah this this thing where it's like you know white people were 
cheating themselves out of everything. You know, everything that society was providing from them with this idea that if black people can have it too, we don't want to share, we don't want it at all. And yeah. now, you know, there's no health care. So it's like, you know, there's actually a book about this now, but like that, that was like the sort of, that's, that, that's what that line is kind of referring to. Yeah, yeah. And as I look through the lyrics and think of the song and what you're saying, yeah, that, that starts to, to resonate with me more. And so, so you are, I think... A socially conscious and observational writer, but it's it's subtle on some level at the same time, or yeah. it requires uh, a little more of a deeper read. We need to spend time. We need to spend time with Azita, I think, to <laughs> to figure things yeah, out. Yeah, I'm kind of wishing we hadn't spent so much on my, <laughs> you know, Discord shows. Anyway. No, come on, that was fun. That was all good. Okay. I think. No, it's. I appreciate that. What I was going to say is. If people want to learn more about you and oh, yeah. the record Glen Echo, uh, you know, using the online life that we lead, uh, lead lives we lead, where would you like to send them? Oh, uh, well, um, the uh, you know the Bandcamp, Drag City's website, like YouTube, Facebook it has links to shit. Do you have like yourself? Do you have like things that you would like people to follow, like? I think we um, became Instagram buddies. That's the uh, reason, yeah. I was like, okay, I'll start this thing because it does seem like some people have fled for Instagram, although I really dislike... and I, 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 It doesn't appeal to me. <laughs> I, it doesn't appeal to me the way the things are on there, you know? But I'm like, okay. Do you like Facebook? Do you, you know, like Facebook you know I, like, I, like, I like conversations in case you can't tell, you know? Like, I'm a yeah, yeah, yeah. words person. Yeah. And like, it's like, people are like, well, there's less political stuff on, on Instagram. And it's like, yeah, because no one is having any conversations about anything. That's why there's no political that's fair. stuff. You know, so it's yeah. like it's like it's so it's very dystopian, isn't it? It's like it's like we got the humans to agree not to talk about anything anymore by presenting them with the uh, the you know the ability that's, to just post pictures. You know, that's <laughs> fair. Yeah, that's a fair point. I I think it's and I know Facebook is, owns Instagram, yeah, so we're not like, really not, doing much right. better. I do think I, part of it for me because uh, I stopped using uh, Facebook as much is I think the data mining also, it's not, like, I was never engaged in these heated, you know, political conversations with some weird uncle that I have, you know? I never really saw too much of that. But at the same time, the data mining and the sharing of information, like, I don't know, something about it seemed wrong. And so maybe you're right. Like, maybe they've just got us to shut up and show things instead of talk about things. Yeah, so, like, the tree across the street from my house, it's like, okay. I mean, there's still ads, right? I'm yeah. sure there's still some yeah. kind of data mining. I just the, the, yeah. there's less to mine because okay, you know. Well, it's the same company. If I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah. I struggle with this too. Like if I'm <laughs> mad at Facebook for their data mining and I'm using their other thing, and they own so many of these things now that you can't really. I'm sure. What are they do? anyway? Yeah, yeah, you're probably onto something. But I just found it. Anyway, that's just we can go. Anyway, you you like Facebook? You're on there. I don't say I and, like it. Please, please. No, oh, sorry. It's it's sorry. it's just it's just it's what it is, man. It's it's how people. Yeah. It's where shit is. It's where the where you know. It, it's where there's some kind of things that you can find out about someone's show or something, you know. But you know, yeah, it's informational. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I've been using Twitter and Instagram more for that stuff, which is weird because Twitter. Remember, like four years ago, everyone hated Twitter. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, Twitter's the I worst. I also it's have a Twitter account, just like I've had. This, I've had these like lurking accounts, and I'm like, one day I will make a thing. I will make it public or whatever. I have the same thing on Twitter. I just okay. haven't done anything with it. All right. Well, people can learn more about you at dragcity.com. Uh, I guess it's one Facebook, place. Facebook Azita Band page. If they want to look at Facebook, if they want to look at Instagram, they can go look at it there. There's not, not that much there. <laughs> I have a. I have a. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, yeah. this is the fucking internet. You used to just put it into Google and then you'd find the thing you want. I like, know, I you know. know. Now people are like, give me one place so I don't have to search. Well, I brought it. I, you know, I know it's it might be weird, but I always offer this space at the end because people will have. We just had a five minute conversation about whether or not Facebook was valid or not, and that's what I get. People are like, you know, I don't use Instagram the way I used to. Now I use Cameo. Like they'll just pick a thing. So I don't. Yeah. I I ask because I just want to know what people are using, and uh, and you know, you and I are maybe uh, around the same age. If well, no, you're probably a little bit older than me. But my I point is, like, I'm just curious what people of my vintage and younger and older are using like i'm just curious yeah because we have so many options and if you told me though right there's no good options a good time for the internet was like you know i don't know when it was seemed like anything was possible that's yeah it seems to be gone now yeah yeah. well in in any event the record's fantastic and i I was hoping we could go out on a song uh from glenn glenn echo and uh azita i'm hoping you can both pick pick the song we go out on but maybe even Mm -hmm. If we haven't already talked about it, maybe tell us a little bit about why you chose it. Is that are those things you can do? Well, I really like to hear our baby, so I think that's I think maybe that's good enough that I just like to hear it. I like I you know it, it's I, it's maybe one of the later ones that kind of came together, and so it's maybe it's because it sort of feels new to me, and I just think it's a nice it's a nice uh, vibe. So maybe is it about a baby? I mean, I'm not going to. It's it's a, it's about a like a idea that if we were to talk about it, would take up a lot more time. Okay, sure fine. We're not going to. All right. So. I, I, I I I would like to hear more about it, Looking but at the same time, you. I do. Well, I appreciate that. I also think we'll leave it to people to interpret things. Get the yes, lyric sheet good, out. Good, good. Spend some time with the song. Okay, we'll go out on that right now. This is our baby uh, by Azita from uh, their excellent new record, uh, Glenn Echo. Azita, this was I hope fun. Uh, for yeah. you and I hope we speak again and best of luck with everything in the future thank you thanks
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh, very special thanks to Azita for appearing on this, the 613th episode of Creative Control which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever it is in the world that you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for or if you wish to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, which I'm behind schedule on as we're speaking, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook. You can follow the show on Twitter directly at vishcreative with a K. Or you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Vishkana with a K. You can also visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this program. It's all really, all the revenue really comes from, from people like you listening who go to patreon.com slash creative control and make a donation. Now your donation can be in any amount whatsoever, really. Maybe it's a minimum of a dollar. I really don't know. And you can modify it or cancel it at any time I should say that $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive uh, content and if you're interested in receiving a creative control t-shirt and you're at that $6 or more level please message me on Patreon and I will get you one while supplies last I want to thank uh, some people right now I want to thank uh, Pizza Trocadero The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. I hope they're all doing okay. I'm away from them, so I don't know. I miss the donuts and the coffee and the books and the pizza. I forgot about the pizza, and i that's my first sponsorship, the pizza. Oh, I miss the pizza. I'd also like to thank uh, Jim Guthrie. He's like a little slice of pizza in his own way. He lets me use some music on the show, and you can learn more about him and his work at his website, jimguthrie.org. He's got a lot of it, so buckle up, buttercup. And strap in. Listen to Jim's music. Just spend all day at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with Azita. I hope you enjoyed it. And we'll check out her new record, Glen Echo, and her amazing catalog of music at uh, Drag City, on, uh, rather on Drag City, but at dragcity.com there. And uh, if you like, please, if you, if you want to, subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about the show. Maybe they'll check it out and, and like it and they'll subscribe to it or keep tabs on it, or whatever it is people do these days. Spread the word about the show. That's all That's all that you can really do, and that's all I can do, and I hope that's what happens. Anyway, whatever it is you do, I appreciate you for listening. Thank you very much. I will talk to you soon. Goodbye for now.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 